So I guide my clients to call their life insurance cash value. So we're talking whole life. It has two parts. It has a death benefit and a cash value, which is a liquid account. And it should be looked at as their emergency slash opportunity fund. So the death benefit is there if and when you die. And I do say if, because some people are just, they just can't even get their mind around dying. So fine, don't. But what about living? And that's why the product's called life insurance. And it is your emergency opportunity fund. There is no better place to store cash and liquidity. And I don't care what awesome investments you have, you always still, for the rest of your life, will have cash and liquidity. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Kim Butler, welcome back to the Better Wealth Podcast. Thank you, Caleb. Always a joy to talk to you. It is a joy talking to you as well. It's always fun because I always remember back to the good old days of getting into this business, talking to you, you changing my life by giving me some of your books, me meeting Todd, going through many truth trainings, and just being open. Like My eyes have been open to just rethinking money but I really have to thank you guys because you've given me a framework. And I and we talked the other day about the importance of principles. Yep. And and I know that your whole business is going through a rebrand. I know that you've always been a, a long-term thinker. And I'm just so grateful for you. And so I want to give this time just as a, a way to help you as it, as it relates to getting the message out. And I just want my audience to be aware of that and, and know how they can plug in and, and how we can further the mission of helping people take back control of their money. I mean, our mission at Better Wealth is intentional living. Get that figured out and then make sure that your time and money and relationships are all aligned with that. It makes right. sense, but nobody does it. And so we need to have more people like you on to have conversations about that. Well, what's so fun, and you and I were talking about Garrett Gunderson and the good work that he's doing around the money and the comedy space. and the work that you're doing just dovetails with that perfectly. The work that I'm doing dovetails with both of yours. And, you know, we just have, and there's many others involved, right? It's not like it's just the three of us, but the more we do our good work, the more people are touched and people get so much benefit when they can cross reference. So if they've heard you and then they hear Garrett or they've heard me and they hear you, it's such a win-win for everybody, including the person that's in the middle of that. It's I actually like to call it a win times three, right? Because there's there's the middle person and then there's the two on either side that are benefiting from that. And so it's funny, I we've just done a major rebrand. So we are now called Prosperity Thinkers. And that is for the next 30 years. I'm 55 years old and I'm totally serious about the next 30 years because it's not just kind of a round number. I believe 100% that people should find work they love and do it for as long as possible. And for most people, that, that's probably in the mid 80s. Who knows? It could be in the mid 90s, mid 100s, mid 110s. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that I've got a really clear vision for the next 30 years. And it all starts in people's thoughts. And so we just thought, well, prosperity thinkers, can you even believe the URL was available? I, when we talked, I'm like, how in the world was that still available? And you didn't have to pay like crazy amounts of money to get. Um, Kim, let's let's go backwards. How did the prosperity thinkers concept even come up? I know that you had prosperity economics and other things. Where did all of that, like why the switch and like talk about the 
really the evolution of that because you've been involved in so many things. I mean, you back in the day, you you had relationships with Robert Kiyosaki and all of that. And so you just know so many people and you've really grown your brand. And I would say a lot of people know you for the books that you write around life insurance, know your numbers, all these things. I want to plug those. So I want to make sure to have a conversation about that as well. But overall, I want to get the who is Kim Butler? Why are you in the money space? And then why the pivot? Well, the word prosperity has just always meant so much to me. And it really doesn't get used that much. You called it the money space. That was a great term. It's wealth, it's management, it's financial planning. I mean, there's 14 different words that get used, but rarely prosperity. And the reason I like the word prosperity so much is because it implies so much more than just money. And then when you look at all the results that people get in life, it always starts in our thinking. And so I just thought, well, let, let's just put these two together. Now it wasn't quite that easy. I will admit to you that on about a Thursday, when I decided that we needed a completely new name change, and I wanted to have the URL work because forget what the LLC is called, right? You know this so well, it's all about the URL. And so I started looking and I probably own a hundred or 150 URLs. Now I probably own 250 because from Thursday until Monday, I started looking at GoDaddy at every various combination of all these different words. And my marketing team was actually saying it should be something with Kim Butler. And I really resisted that because as you know, well, it has never been about Kim and I don't want it to be about Kim. And they're like, ah, but your name has so much of the brand. And, and I just couldn't do it. So I found a whole bunch of other different solutions and we narrowed it down and we voted and we had some fun. And, and by Tuesday or so, we had landed on Prosperity Thinkers because it combines the, the best of what I love. I love the money space. I've been dealing with money since fourth grade when I first got the milk cow. And then the idea of thinking and how important thinking is and how important our mindset is. And so pulling these two things together, because those are the areas that I can help people is getting their money, freeing it, as you said, making it more certain but all those three things are about our thinking too, yeah. freeing our thinking, making it more certain, and then getting it and getting it organized and automated. I think back to one of the books that have had the greatest impact in my life is Think and Grow Rich. And a lot of it, it's just in, even in the title, it's all up here. And a lot of people's money beliefs are ultimately, you know, a prophecy of how their life is going to be. And Absolutely. if we can help people think, I absolutely love the name. What is this going to look like? Because I know that you've in the past been very, very involved in helping uh, financial professionals, advisors, agents, coaches, whatever, whatever name is. I know right. a lot of them have been attracted to your movement. Is this going to be mainly for the financial professionals or is this going to be for everybody? What, what is this going to look like? That's a great question. So we have very distinct brand lanes, if you will. And Prosperity Thinkers is for our clients. It's for Kim Butler's people that she helps buy life insurance. Cool. And that's what's so fun about all of our work together, Caleb, is you and I could say that we're direct competitors. Both yeah. of us help people buy life insurance in all 50 states. Right. And yet here we are sharing our deepest wisdom, right? Like right. I would never, and this is part of that thinking. That's part of the prosperity lens that I'm trying to help people have is that, 
abundance mentality of just make the pie bigger. So Prosperity Thinkers is for our existing clients and all of our new prospects. And I hope that I am helping people buy life insurance when I'm 85 years old. I'm 100% serious about that. Amazing. The advisor community, because I know you have a lot of advisors that listen to your podcast as well, as do I is still under prosperityeconomicsadvisors.com. And we're actually doing a relaunch of that brand also. Eh, Not sure it was wise to do them both at the same time, but we started working on it and it just kind of fell into place. So Prosperity Economics Advisors is for any whole life friendly life insurance agent, financial planner, call them whatever you want that helps people buy life insurance and is interested in that community and that's prosperityeconomicsadvisors.com. Again, right. Prosperity Thinkers is for the end user, if you will, the Got client, it. the prospect that wants to buy. We do have one other, which is prosperityeconomics.org because the whole prosperity economics environment is set up as a nonprofit designed to supersede mine and Todd's lifetimes. And so prosperityeconomics.org is, you know, of course, if you have a nonprofit, you have to have a .org or you should. And that's the educational site that we also do a lot of our work in at a very high level, whereas people might go there if they didn't want to talk to anybody yet. And, you know, yeah. people like to learn right. themselves sometimes. If your head is spinning about all the prosperity domains, we will make sure to have all the domains in the description so you can check check them out. I love you to death, Kim, and love the what you stand for and all the ups and downs that you've been um, as an entrepreneur. So let's talk a little bit about your book. And I'm also, we we jammed for probably like 15 minutes. It was like the shortest interview I've done, but it was one of the most powerful. And you went off on life insurance and about, you know, a lot of people are saying in 2021, look at interest rates. And I don't know if life insurance is a good play. I also want to get some sound bites that you shared as well, because I just think it's so relevant and I just love how you articulate things. But let's talk about your book. Congratulations. Thank you. It's impossible for me to keep up with all of it that you have going on. I don't know what you have as far as systems to crank out content, but that's, that'll be another podcast. Um, <laughs> but talk about talk about your book and and I would encourage every single person watching this, listening to this, to stop what you're doing and, and support Kim, get the book and and you will be shocked about what will transfer the wisdom in reading. Well, this most current one, Perpetual Wealth, hardback, our first hardback, which frankly, I will never do again, was a real pain, but it's out there. And we wanted it to be a hardback because it's designed to be the thing that moves generational wealth from one generation to another. And Perpetual Wealth is our eighth book. And so all the books are on Amazon. They're all available in Kindle, soft copy, and audio. And I love having them out there. I couldn't do what I do in the books without Todd Langford's Truth Concepts software because the books would just be conceptual. There would be no numerical proof. Now, that being said, this Perpetual Wealth book is one of them that does not have any numerical proof in it because it's truly designed to help advisors, clients, anybody move the thinking and the money from generation to generation. And as we know, there's so many things that can be moved from generation to generation in terms of important um, Christmas time or holiday time things, you know, important, maybe pieces of jewelry, um, important values, all of those things 
should be moved. And they're not going to get moved if there isn't some intention around it. And that's what perpetual wealth does. And I want to share something with you. About a seven, I think Dave is 77, about a 77-year-old advisor that lives in Dallas, Texas, did a review for me. And he said, the perpetual wealth book finally pulled it all together for me. I've been in the financial space for 50 years. Wow. And I've learned the life insurance and I've tried to add that. And I've learned the money management and I've tried to add that. And I've learned the real estate and I've tried to add that. And I've had some failures with various investments. Holy cow, haven't we all? But I've tried to add that and I couldn't really pull it all together until I read Perpetual Wealth. It was the most meaningful review because I think that's a little bit of a skill of mine is to kind of just take all this stuff that's out there and really boil it down and make it simple and make it learnable and make it actionable. And so I was super grateful to hear that from somebody with so much wisdom. It's always a little bit humbling when people are like, I've spent 50 years of my life being pretty successful, but like it, the light bulb moment came on and it's, and it is motivating because it's like, man, what, what, what happens if you're 22 right now listening to this? You don't have to wait 50 years from now to have the light bulb turn on. Can you give us just like, I know a lot of it is the passing on wealth and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Is there any nuggets from the book that like you would love to share with the audience? Absolutely. So there's a whole chapter on family mission statements and how to create them. There are the seven phases of prosperity. I really spent some time on this. They're super cool because those 22 year olds who happen to be some of my most favorite clients, my children are in their middle twenties and I love that space. Those kids, when they start to build their life insurance policies, they want to know what the next phases are. Like, when do I involve real estate or do I, or do I take on a business? And so I did seven phases of prosperity from the prosperity economics lens, instead of from the typical financial planning lens. And then the book is also a whole story. So it's actually a pretty interesting read, even if you're the kind of person that's like, "Ah, I don't want financial stuff because it's John and Carol who are the patriarch and matriarch and they're two girls and then the four children who are all in their early teens. And so it's this whole story about them working through going to a family retreat. And there's some great suggestions for some games and some other fun things at the family retreat. There's some great suggestions about what not to leave behind as you move all of your wealth. So, or all of your prosperity, if you will, which is very much more than just the money from generation to next. There's some sections on good conversations that can happen about the life insurance, because as you and I know, it's not an easy thing to educate on. You want a sound bite. You can't learn life insurance in a sound bite. So those are the biggies of the book that I love. I love it. And I just, again, encourage everybody to stop what you're doing, get the book and Tell me about it and then review because I know the biggest bane of many authors' existence is the Amazon reviews, and I know that means a ton. So yeah, we'll definitely do that. Let's transition over to to life insurance. You talked about um, this; it, you can't just learn it in a soundbite. So I'm asking for a soundbite. No, yep, <laughs> but and I'll I, give it to you. <laughs> but really, the craziness of this world. I mean, you look at inflation, you look at the markets are on fire as we're recording, and you look at all the the shiny objects out there. Why life insurance? You've been probably one of the people that have been the most consistent in the messaging. You have multiple books. Um, one of the first books that 
I read was Live Your Life Insurance. And it, it it's classic, grateful for that. And it just opens your eyes to like, oh, you could be the number one beneficiary of your life insurance policy. Like we just are not programmed to think that. I want to take a step back and pretend like I just don't know a ton, but I want to really be a good steward of the wealth and the prosperity yep. that I have. Why life insurance as an asset in that in that equation? Because it's the best place to store cash and liquidity. So I guide my clients to call their life insurance cash value. So we're talking whole life. It has two parts. It has a death benefit and a cash value, which is a liquid account. And it should be looked at as their emergency slash opportunity fund. So the death benefit is there if, if and when you die. And I do say if, because some people are just, they just can't even get their mind around dying. So fine, don't. But what about living? And that's why the product's called life insurance. And it is your emergency opportunity fund. There is no better place to store cash and liquidity. And I don't care what awesome investments you have, you always still, for the rest of your life, will have cash and liquidity. Where do you store it? A life insurance company is the most efficient, effective, safest place to store that cash and liquidity. And so life insurance really, at, at the end of the day, the soundbite is you, your money's got to reside somewhere. It's got to be stored somewhere. The best place to do that is in a whole life insurance contract, life insurance policy in cash value. Um, you structure them in a way where you get high early cash value. And as a result, the emergency fund, how, how many, what metric do you, should we be having in our emergency fund before we switch to opportunity? I love it. So it's individual to each family. The guidelines are the same as anybody else's guidelines, usually three to six months expenses. If you're salaried six to 12, if you own a business, but I really ask each family to identify their emergency fund number, because some people want a lot more security and certainty. So they have a higher number others super comfortable with a lower number. And then everything else is opportunity. And as we know, that opportunity account should be funded for the rest of your life. Yep. I mean, how high is up? How many opportunities yep. do you want to be able to take advantage of? I, I love that because it makes things so simple. It's like you are ultimately responsible. If, if two years of emergency is going to make you sleep better at night, I'm not going to argue. Let's get that set aside. And then everything above that opportunity but your recommendation is the best place to store capital is in life insurance and then through that you can borrow against the policy and and take advantage of businesses investments or other things and there's just so much simplicity there and yep. the other benefit of having that is i'm sure you mentioned in your book the transfer of wealth to the next generation it's like it's the most efficient place to store your capital use it throughout your life and then pass it on to the next generation where each generation gets wealthier and wealthier. Well, and if by chance you don't want to pass that death benefit on, I have loved, and this has been a fairly recent transition in my thinking, the idea of guaranteed income for life from annuitization. Oh, wow. So okay. taking, taking that cash value and not until you are in your 80s and 90s, but at that point, annuitizing that cash value. And a lot of people are not familiar with that term at all. It just means switching the cash value around from something that's growing and is liquid, right? To something that pays guaranteed income for life, for life. <laughs> and to have that economic certainty when you're in your nineties and you don't probably want to be doing real estate yeah. anymore, or you probably don't want to run your business or whatever it is. 
is super, super valuable. And there's so many people that are talking about borrowing against the cash value for income. And I really strongly disagree with that. The cash value should be left alone. Borrow against for investments, but pay back. And by the time you're in your 80s and 90s, you're probably going to be done paying it back. Then if, and it's not an all or nothing deal, right? You can split a policy in half, leave some of the death benefit for your family. Plus most people, and you and I both get so surprised when people are like, really? Most people should have 10 or 20 policies. It shouldn't right. just be one policy. And, and so many people just don't understand that or they just never heard of that concept. I have a webinar that shows my stack of over 20 policies. Right. Some on me, some on my husband, some on my kids, some on key people. And that ability to have some of those policies annuitized for me so that it's my guaranteed income for life and others for death benefit to go on to the next generation. Let's talk about that because taken out of context, I got an email the other day from someone that says, Caleb, I heard I was watching a YouTube video and someone said I should like someone has 10 policies and they were kind of freaking out because they're like, I only have one. And, and I just explained, I'm like, listen, like you got to start somewhere. And what I would say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, you set up the policy to best serve you today. And that might be one on your husband, one on you, maybe one on a key employee or whatever. And then as you make more money, if life insurance is the best place to store your capital, your money's got to reside somewhere. So if you're already funding your policies, well, where are you going to put that money? You got to, you got to put it in another policy that has to go on somebody, whether it's yourself or other, other people. And so. Uh, I would say that it's a good reminder that just because you have one doesn't mean you you're done. But it we have to understand that cash flow is the important metric to look at, and we have to set up efficiently today and then ongoing. Hopefully, we have more prosperity, more abundance. And if we believe that cash flow needs to reside somewhere, then then a, another policy. Is there anything that you would add to that? Because I just want to clarify that for the listener. I'm glad that, that you did. Yeah. Yes, because it, it can really come from left field. The thing that I would like to add is the importance of term insurance. Yes. And it just is not talked about. People think it's whole life or term. That's right. not it at all. It's whole life and term. I still own term insurance. So introducing the idea of convertible term insurance or switchable term insurance so that you have the ability to convert portions of a term policy into whole life and introducing the idea of human life value, which just does not get talked about enough either. And that maximum amount of insurance and everybody should know their human life value, even if they don't choose to insure it fully. Right. So just real quick math, it's 20 to sometimes 30 times income or one times gross worth. If you are in your seventies and eighties, your human life value is more a function of your gross worth, not net worth, gross worth. So those human life value numbers, you're not going to have that in whole life. You are going to have that with some term insurance and some whole life. You know, what's crazy is, is convertible term.com. Ah, is tell a, me. a domain that I own, which I was shocked <laughs> that that was, that was shocked that that was available. I was like, this is back like 40 years ago. You know, I'm a big fan of term insurance, especially yep. switchable or convertible term. And I was like, why don't we have anybody innovating in our space? Like, why is this available? Uh, so it's just it's just a funny world in a small world. So let's talk about the mistakes you see people making in the life insurance space. There's There's been a lot of talk, a lot of marketing. As someone who's a marketer myself, I have like a love-hate relationship of some of the things that are being said. I'm curious yeah. from, from your standpoint, because when you got in the space, there was like nobody, like nobody right. doing what you were doing. Now there seems to be a lot more people, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still 
one of the best kept secrets. What are you, some of the things that we should be avoiding? What are some of the things that kind of you cringe when you hear? And what are some of the messages that we need to double down on? I'm super glad that you asked because I have the exact same feelings that you do. I'm grateful that there's some good marketers out there and just want to die with some of the languages that they're choosing to use and some of the software that they choose to use, frankly. So um, one of my biggies is borrowing against cash value versus borrowing from. So a lot of people that don't truly understand the product will say you borrow from or you even take from your policy. And that's categorically inaccurate. So I have been on that bandwagon, I guess, for a long, long time. You borrow against your cash value. One of the other things I already brought up, which is the idea of borrowing against that cash value for income in your later life. That is a deal breaker. That used to work when we lived to 70 or 80 years old. We're going to have people living well past 100. There's no way a loan can sit on the books for that many years. So people need to stop the borrowing against for income in their later life and switch their thinking to the annuitization idea. Then in addition, when loans are talked about, I think they're spoken about incorrectly. One of the biggest things that is horribly inaccurate is this idea of simple versus compound interest. Mm -hmm. All loans are compound interest. It doesn't matter whether they come from the life insurance company against your cash value or from a bank against your cash value or from a bank against your home or from a bank against nothing. It is a compound loan. Simple interest exists for one day only. So that's something that's quite frustrating. Let me unpack that. The sure. reason it's compounding is because of opportunity cost. Each year that goes by, if you don't pay back your loan, that's there's a cost there. It's gonna, you know, and and everything compounds because over your lifetime. So it's either lost opportunity cost or a compounding loan. But there's no there's no free lunch. And I do agree with you. This the difference of is this a simple loan versus a compounding loan? Well, all right, let's actually look at how the math works. Yep. Life insurance loans work like just every other loan out there. The only difference is they charge interest only once a year at the beginning of the loan or at the anniversary date for whatever amount of loan is still there. And if you don't pay that interest, it gets added to the loan, hence right. the compounding nature. So yeah, very true. Let's see, there was one more thing and, and you brought it up really, this issue of opportunity cost, which breaks down to something called time value of money, which is an economic concept that's not always super easy for people to get their arms around, but um, actually listening to Todd Langford, the truth concepts creator, who's my husband, listening to him explain it has helped me explain it better. And that's that everything that we deal with exists in time. And one of his fun examples is, you know, for people our age in our fifties, we used to ride around in the front seat of cars, standing up as two-year-olds without a seatbelt or a car seat or anything else. Well, people would get put in jail for that today. It's that story is taken out of time. And so a lot of that, a lot of these marketers that you're speaking of, when they make their analysis about things, they want to add a particular column of numbers up, but they don't affect that column of numbers with the passing of time. But then they tend to compare it to something that tends to be affected by the passing of time. So you have kind of one of those apples and beans comparison things, not even apples and oranges, right? Like it's so far apart, it's apples and beans. So 
that's the last thing that I would bring up that just do you have an example of that? Like, do you have an example of like, uh, like a, a real life example yeah. of what's yeah. happening? So the, the most common one, let's take it out of the life insurance space for a minute. The most common one is the mortgage arena. So the 15 year mortgage proponents want to just add up the interest yeah. and then worse, they want to add it up over 15 years. Yeah. And then they compare it to a 30 year mortgage that they will add up the interest over 30 years. Yeah. So you've got a time differential. You can compare the whole deal over 15 years, but you've got to compare both loans over 15 years or both loans over 30 years. And then you've got to add that time value of money in there because the interest on a loan doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists right. over time. And you know what? I think what helps the most is for anybody that's watching on YouTube, you can't use a little calculator like this to make financial calculations. You have to use an HP 12C or some type of financial calculator on your phone yeah. in order to make proper future value or present value calculations, which is where the time comes in. I love it. And I think that goes back to this compound interest, simple interest yeah. conversation of like, you can't make a decision in the vacuum. It's very, it's very powerful and clear that way. A um, couple of things I want to talk about IUL versus whole life. And there's just, I've kind of come to the point where I want to tell people think where things are at. I do not want to be in the convincing game. Um, I think early on, I um, definitely was thought, thought I, it was my world like duty in life to convince people the way I think. I want to hear from you. You, you have a strong stance on this. And I think yeah. the way that you think, because you said life insurance, like don't rely on putting all your money into life insurance and the loans and all that stuff, because who knows what's going to happen with interest rates and all that stuff. And there's just unknowns. And what, what I found when it comes to the IUL whole life conversation is IUL in a certain vacuum looks incredible and, and it's very much sold as an investment. Yep. Now there's some people that are talking about borrowing against and all that stuff. That's a whole nother story that you might be able to touch on, but it, it's, it sounds really, really good. And as a life insurance component, I go like, yes, the, that's, that's powerful. Why do you steer away from that completely? And if you're someone in the market looking at it and, and thinking between IUL and whole life, what would you tell them? Because I really want to take a, a, a side stance here and listen to you. And because I'm in the business of, I want to tell the truth. I want to point people in the right direction. And I don't want to be known as somebody that's just not open to the other innovations in our space. Yes. So part of this comes with experience and it's culminated, I think, by a quick story of a 75 year old guy calling me one day and saying, I just got the new bill for my universal life policy that I've been paying into for 40 years and it's triple the premium. What's going on? And this was not anything that I had helped him buy. He was calling me cold, wanting help. And that's what happens with universal life. It doesn't matter whether it's variable universal life, regular universal life, fixed universal life, index universal life, or the cows come home universal life. There is a structure there that fails long term 90% of the time. Now for that extra 10%, if somebody's comfortable taking that risk, they're welcome to, I will not be involved. And I think when you draw that line, you bring people up short and they realize, well, something's going on there. And here's what's going on. When death is a guaranteed event, 
absolutely for certain, even though earlier I used the if word just to help people that couldn't quite get there. But we can all, if we step back, acknowledge that death is a guaranteed event. You want to have whatever product is associated with that event to be guaranteed 10 ways to Sunday, like every possible thing about it to be guaranteed. And so it's not okay to add a rider to make a product guaranteed when the underlying product is still problematic because the way universal life works is just exactly like term insurance works. And the underlying price of the insurance goes up, 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 up. And so unless you happen to hit a long, long period of time and be in that 10%, and I'm just totally guessing on that amount of the world that could absolutely positively be certain that the stock market was just going to do fabulous for them. And there would be tons of money in that index universal life because we've all seen the illustrations and how unbelievably awesome they can look. The nature of the universal life contract, the language, the way it's priced, the way it's structured is not okay because it fails long-term. And that poor guy is not going to have any insurance. He's not going to have any cash value and he's not going to be able to do a dang thing about it. And I will not be privy to any one of my clients dealing with that. I've already made enough mistakes with investments and other things. I don't need the one area that could be guaranteed yeah. to not be guaranteed. Kim, is it is it a fair statement to say that? Because I've, I've also had conversations with people that are as adamant, if not more, on the other side. And is it is it fair to say that life insurance is not an investment? Part of the problem that we've gone way in left field is we have to try to make it like an investment because right. we don't understand it enough. And so we have to right. make it look like an investment and bash yep. other things for people to buy it. So is it fair to say that if we're looking at, at an investment, like if you're if you're gung-ho about the market, and where you're just it's either this or this that's one conversation but you're what you're saying is listen we're not even like i don't sell whole life insurance as an investment right. it's a place to store capital and logic says if you're going to store capital in on a place why would you want to store it in a place that there's a chance of it not working out the way that you think it is because that's a place no. to store capital and and that's why i prefer the use of the word cash instead of capital to make it crystal clear that yeah. what we are talking about is a savings account equivalent. Yeah. And it is not an investment. I won't let people talk about it as an investment. I don't want to calculate it as an investment, even though I could, you could absolutely argue and prove that it's close. That is not the discussion that we're having. And in fact, if you want to do index universal life with that other agent, please go do that. I will not be involved at all. And do whole life so that you have the certainty, the guarantees, and your liquidity dialed in in a 100% for sure space. Yeah. I know I know a guy who did the same premium in both policies. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, I'm like, thank you for being the ultimate case study. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk to you every five years and see how things are going. I did it myself. When yeah. I was 28, I bought a policy on my son and daughter a year apart. I bought a policy on my son that was whole life. And I bought a policy on my daughter that was variable universal life. And the whole life one is outperformed so much. It's ridiculous. Mm. I, 
I feel so bad for Kaylee. <laughs> I have to tell her. Thankfully, they both also have whole life policies that yeah. I bought when they were babies. So it's not that big of a deal. It's just one piece yeah. of the puzzle. But I, I'm going to have to tell her your mom made a mistake here. And I appreciate the humility that you you live by. Uh, it's it's really powerful. I want to I want to transition over to the world that we live in now. We have taxes, inflation, politics seems a little bit out of control. People, I just feel like a very much of a people are depressed. I think there's kind of the feeling I'm getting from a world standpoint. Is do you have any predictions? Do you have like when people say inflation is going to get out of control? Is there anything that you're like doing with your money to just like be best position? Because I know you're not in that headspace. But you you can see the news just like I do and all this stuff. Where do you think the world's going? And are we going to lose the dollar? Like, there's a lot of people out there talking about crypto. I haven't heard any stance that you've made on the crypto market. What is your thoughts as it relates to the American dollar? What what to expect in the future? And inflation? I'm I'm just kind of giving you like a the most open ended question, but I know that you you have a answer. Absolutely. And it's focused on what you can control. And I mean, narrow it in. And there are two things that you can control. It's what's going on up here. And we can elaborate on that. You know, you can control what you eat also, which is equally important. And with your money right now, the only thing that we have to work with are dollars. And yes, you can have a little gold and yes, you can have crypto. And yes, I do have crypto. I'm not a fan of gold at all, but I love the crypto space. I hope that we get into it full on someday in some way. And it probably will happen in our lifetime. We just don't know what the definition of full on is. And right now, for the extreme amounts of money, and extreme is relative to each person, you can only deal in dollars. So deal in dollars and put those dollars in the safest place where you know to put them. Now, if we have a wholesale switchover, I can't imagine a better company to help us with that kind of switchover than a life insurance company that has been around 150 plus years that has gone through numerous types of all sorts of wars and various things in the economy and off the gold standard and you know this president and that president. They've dealt with all of it and they've just done their slow and steady, boring yet effective, progress-oriented march with the dollars that they have. So store a little food and water <laughs> if you're truly concerned yeah. about the world crashing in, right? And put your dollars in the safest place that you can and then stop thinking about it yeah. because you cannot affect inflation in any way. Again, we're talking liquid dollars. We're not talking investments. You cannot affect who's in the president's office and you can't affect what inflation or any of these other things are going to do. So stop thinking about that. Yep. Go find work you love, yep. spend time with your family, put the dollars in a safe place and move on. Yeah. I, one of the thinking exercises that I do is like, what, what do I want? And then what are what the, I have money. So resources, I have time and I have potential, which is relationships, vision, talent. It's like, I let, let me focus on how I can move the needle in those three areas yep. to help me live more intentionally. And that's like, that's winnable. Everybody listening to this, everyone watching this can do that. And, and then we, a lot of times we have to take responsibility of where we're at versus complaining and, and saying, oh, it's, it's Joe Biden's 
fault that I'm not where I want to go. And it's not, no, it's not true at all. And it's just, uh, you're going to lose from the very beginning if, if you go down that road. Kim, I could talk to you for days. Um, anything else that's present right now in your life that you'd like to share? Well, I love your intentionality focus, and that is something that's so valuable and that I hope to help share with others. And you and Garrett and me and Todd and Patrick Donahoe and others that are floating to the top of this space, you said it earlier, with principles, with a true care for the people that we're dealing with and the dollars that we're dealing with, we're going to keep telling the truth. And no matter what happens around us, that truth, that focus, that humility, that desire to help and serve for our lifetimes will be our focus. And we get so much joy and good out of doing that. And yes, we'll take sabbaticals and yes, we'll take long vacations. But I think if I could boil down any message to one or two things, it's find work you love and do it as long as possible save your money in a life insurance company where it's a mutual company that pays dividends and focus on the good that you do and adopt that prosperity lens for everything. And it's not a rose colored glass lens. It's a, even if there is bad going on, I'm going to find the silver lining. I'm going to find the good and I'm going to keep digging until I do. And then own that responsibility. And when those things occur, absolute success and progress is going to follow. I love it. And I, I think uh, you summarized uh, the way I end a lot of our podcasts is the legacy question you've been on before. the uh, One of the first 10 episodes. So go back to the Better Wealth Podcast all the way to the beginning. You can see see the first episode. But I love how you summarize it all. And it's and it's really, really powerful. And I, I just, you're a walking example of someone who's um, again, as an entrepreneur, experienced a lot and are continuing to pursue it with energy. Um, being being your age and having a 30-year vision, I would encourage every single person to really think through, do you love what you're doing? And if the answer is no, you got one life, and I would highly, highly encourage you to take a pause and figure out what you need to be doing because life is way too short and can end sooner rather than later in some cases. Okay to not absolutely love the work that we're doing. Kim, appreciate you. We're going to have your information uh, down below. Go get her book. Honestly, go spend $200 and buy all her books, okay? I don't know how much it is, but you've written a lot of books. And uh, you're just going to gain a ton of a ton of wisdom. And, and then go check out um, prosperitythinkers.com. And if you are a advisor, a coach, a financial professional, an agent, and you want to learn more about the prosperity economics movement, we'll have a link down below as well. Kim, thank you so much. It's always a joy, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.